Hi, it's me. Another episode of Viking Navy, dude. You know what's up. This is a music podcast where Brian Porter is me, and I'm a musician. I'm in a band called In a Daydream from the Detroit area. And this is not a typical podcast or interview thing where it's just like a bunch of pre-recorded questions. You know, that's someone's lane. That's some people's lane. I'm not knocking it for them. Live your truth or whatever the fuck they say. But hey, dude, that's not what this is. This is a real person having real conversations with other real people who also happen to be musicians. And yes, is that conversation centered around music most of the time? Fuck yeah, it does. But does it also use a lot of cuss words and feel more like a podcast and feel more like genuine interaction rather than like a predetermined fake interaction had out of obligation? I don't even remember. See, dude, I don't even remember where I started that sentence, but I think you know what I'm trying to say. And that's what this podcast is, okay? We get into some deep shit. Ask anybody who listens to this podcast. I have some hardcore listeners who love this because it's real as shit, all right? It's real as shit, but we also get to some serious questions. I don't ask bullshit questions. I ask real questions in a way that lets the artist know that, hey, I'm not trying to get you, but also, here's a real question. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't, I'm not into the cupcake shit. I'm not into the, like, the artist sends me a list of questions, like pre-determined questions or pre-approved questions. No, we don't do that here either. So that's the quick rundown of this podcast. We have a good time. We keep it real, all right? I want to get into our sponsor real quick, the Pleasant Underground in Ferndale, Michigan. The Pleasant Underground is a DIY venue in my friend Kyle's basement, and it's hands down the coolest fucking DIY venue I've ever seen. Hands down. They have legitimate stage lights. They have legitimate sound system. Um, They have a guy running sound. It's a different guy most times. Sometimes it's Pat. Sometimes it's literally me because no one else is there. I don't touch the board. I know where bass is on the board. I don't touch the board, but I feel like I'm running sound when I'm sitting in the chair. Um, so, yeah, I don't fuck with the board. But uh, hit them up, dude. The Pleasant Underground. You can find them by typing The Pleasant Underground in the Instagram or Facebook and messaging them. Or you could hit them up at thepleasantunderground at gmail.com for booking. But you need to go check it out if you're in the Ferndale, Detroit area. Um, go see a show. Ask them to play. I played there. I played the first show there, brag. But whatever, you know. They're my homies, and I do a cool podcast. And so I got the plugins, dude. I get the plugins. If you want the plugins, start a podcast or make fucking banging records. That's my two ends. So anyways, um, sometimes I like to start an episode off with me talking about my experience because I'm a musician and... You know, I just recently went to, um, I, you know, I feel like these experiences can be relatable to other musicians who listen. Um, I recently went to the Hamtramck Music Festival, and I just want to say on record that the people of Hamtramck are very interesting, and the Hamtramck Music Festival is a complete and utter shit show, and it's completely hit or miss whether or not you're going to get a good show or not, or a good turnout or not, and that's that. I had a good time. I saw my friend's band Easy Beach, even though they got pushed back to play at they're supposed to play at 12 midnight 
at a bar that was popping at 12 midnight and there were a band of literal 65 year olds playing and they played over by like 35 minutes and by the time ian's band got to play there was about five people there and that's what we call poor planning um so if you're running a festival bigger is not better you know if you don't have the infrastructure to run it properly, bigger is not better. And that's what I will say about the Hamtramck Music Festival. Some great bands, some great artists, and some you know great times. But bigger is not always better. And that's my two cents. Um, I'm feeling pretty good today. I'm not feeling pretty good about the number of people who listen to this podcast. If you like this, I would like you to share it, please. Like, if for real. Like, I'm asking as your friend, if you like this podcast, please help me out. Okay, the goal of this podcast is to give a platform to artists who may not be able to have that platform otherwise. I mean, sometimes I get big bands on here. I mean, that's cool. I'm not gonna say no to big bands, but like, my goal is to actually give DIY bands a platform to talk about their music and and to show their personalities in a way that's not Twitter or Instagram. You know, long form discussion, real human interaction. If you believe in that, if you believe in what I'm doing here, please help me out. You know, rate the podcast, review the podcast, share it on your Instagram, tell a friend about it. Um, send me a message. Let me know you're listening. Um, the podcast can be found on Instagram at invite the neighbors pod and on Twitter at uh, either ITN pod or invite the neighbors pod. I don't even remember. I don't go on Twitter, but send me a message. I'll, I'll, I'll turn on my notifications after this. But I've been discouraged because I feel like I'm doing a, a really cool thing here. And I I just think it would be better for the artists who come on. And obviously, it'd be better for me. You know, I'm not going to bullshit you. But I really care more about offering a legitimate platform to artists who come on this show. Um, because my main thing is I'm in a band. That's what I, that's my dream is to be in a band. My dream is not to be a famous podcaster. I mean, if it happens, cool. But I don't care if it happens. I care that I can give a big platform to other artists, okay? About the fourth time I've said that in this intro. But I mean it, and I I hope that you guys believe in that too and would be willing to help me out and share that. Um, That being said, if you would like to be on this podcast, if you are a legitimate musician and you are really trying to make it and you are really taking it seriously and you're not just shooting the shit in a garage i mean sometimes you're shooting in the shit in a garage and you're also trying to make it so if that's you that's fine but if you're only like a hobbyist or something please don't hit me up i mean you know no hard feelings or whatever but i really only want people who are like really trying to make it and are really putting their best foot forward because otherwise i just get inundated completely inundated with like requests and i have to sip so if you're serious about music or if you're involved in the music scene, like if you run a venue or if you do photography for bands, whatever, hit me up. Send me an email, invite the neighbors at gmail.com. And just tell me a little bit about yourself. Don't send me like your five paragraph bio. I'm not going to read it. Okay. Just tell me who you are, where you're from, give me a link to your music, and then just let me know that you want to be on because I don't want to read about you. I want to ask about you. Okay. Um, that being said, I'm going to end this intro. I'm going to get into Felicity who was on this podcast and they're fucking sick band and they're doing a lot of cool stuff in the terms of marketing. I will let you check out their Instagram to see what I'm talking about. Don't want to give it away because I mean, it's just cool. It's, it's cooler for you to see it for the first time than, than to hear me tell you about it. But there's some really cool stuff that they're doing to promote 
um, their music. And uh, I think you guys should check it out, especially if you're in a band and you're looking for ideas. Um, but Felicity is a band that is, they're on their way. Like they have some momentum and they're going to keep going forward. And I'm glad that I got to meet them over Discord. And I hope that we can play a show someday. And I hope that we can connect in person someday. Um, yeah, that's it, dude. Check out Felicity and enjoy this episode. Thank you. Yeah. Well, if they do jump in, um, this thing will automatically record them. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. So what, uh, what's your name though? Uh, I'm Corey. Corey. And I'm, 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 I am Brian. Are you, uh, did they send their lead singer or are you a different member of the band? No, I'm actually one of the guitar players. Oh, okay. Yeah, because like whenever there's one person, it's a, it's always interesting. Sometimes it's a lead singer. I mean, a lot of times it is, as you could imagine. But uh, I like to I like it when there's they send different representation. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, Damien. <laughs> uh, we we try always to do like interviews together with like Damien, you know, me, Drew, um, Mike, and Tyler. Oh, we're doing video. Okay. Well, I don't record it, but it's just like it's like easier to have a conversation. I feel like, you know yeah. what I mean. So it's gonna be pretty dark because we have like a pretty heavy rain oh, okay. right now. Okay. I don't record it. Yeah, it's it's just for like talking, you know. And especially if there's uh, multiple people, like it's it's really hard to like carry on a conversation and not interrupt each other a million times when there's like three, four people. So I got, I've just gotten in the habit of trying to do video while we record. Um, just so that like when you can see someone about to talk, you won't talk. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. one of those things. Um, but yeah, but like I said, if they, if they jump in, it's not a big deal, but yeah, they have the link. So uh, I don't know how many of them know how to use discord. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's it's a barrier <laughs> sometimes. Like I've, but I've had maybe only one guest that didn't come on because of Discord, and uh, they were trying to. I'm not gonna say who it was, but they tried to get all Hollywood on me and be like, "Well, they." What I mean by that is like they wanted me to change the format and they wanted me to do all this stuff to have them on. I'm like, "Hey, dude, start a podcast." If you, if that's how you want interviews to happen, like I'm not gonna go to some other thing. Like I got my thing that I do here. It works. People have a good time. I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like no, I, I feel you. It's like we try to be as accommodating as possible. We've we've had everything from Google Meets, Zoom, Discord, uh, FaceTime, like pretty much every medium you can think of under the sun we've done it and it's just like it, it takes yeah. two seconds to like do it so we don't mind yeah right i had uh yeah one time we had to get creative and it was like one of our bigger guests like we had this band from la called standards on and uh they it, we couldn't get it to work so i think pretty what we did was like we used facetime audio and we just set it up with a room mic 
and just like recorded that over Discord. So I mean, we we've gotten creative a little bit too. But but I appreciate you coming on the podcast, dude. Yeah. I mean, I know absolutely. Becky put it up. Yeah, Becky's um, a wizard, man. You know. She's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I I did an episode with her one time, um, because you know I, I give you a little background. Like I'm in a band, and like I started this podcast. It's it's almost like uh, me figuring out how to make it. Oh, liquid death. Fuck yeah, dude. That's what's yeah. up. <laughs> but yeah, it's like me trying to figure out by through talking to other bands, like what are these other bands doing to, you know, quote unquote, make it or at least try, you know, because a lot of bands are DIY and like, you know, and me being one myself, I like to, I wanted to hear from Becky's perspective, like, all right, well, what does a publicist do? And it's like a lot of these times, these episodes are like, all right, well, what, what's your guys' experience like? And, you know, and I'm taking mental notes myself, trying to like remember all the good ideas and, you know, catalog the ones that were like i don't think that would work for me necessarily but um i do used to yeah i've literally i've almost never listened to the podcast though which is weird but it's like (laughs) for a while i wasn't doing it because like it had been i hadn't been doing it long enough because i'm like if i would if i go back to listen i already remember the conversations because like they were recently happened i was there but now it's getting to the point like I realized the other day, like I've been doing this for like two years. And so now if I go back and listen to the beginning, I, I forgot what we talked about. So now it's actually worth it to go back. Yeah, two years is a long time. But, um, it's a lot of content. It is. It is. And I'm just hoping that one day, you know, we'll either make it to some extent to where people my my hope is that people will f- find my music. And once they, if they like my music, then they'll realize, oh, that's the guy who does this podcast. And then they'll be interested. And then they'll be like, you know, if you ever discover a podcast and you realize like, oh, I love this. And they have like fucking a hundred episodes and you're like, yes, like mm-hmm. you have like binge content in front of you. I, I hope that happens for people because, yeah, it's it's getting to be a lot. <laughs> yeah. But just um, people find so us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, it's. It can be hard um, to, you know, especially when no one knows you. There's so many different ways, you know, the, I hate saying the word algorithm because I just feel like it's it's so prevalent. People are always talking about how do I get into the algorithm, whether it's Spotify playlists or Instagram feeds or promotions and things like that. I'm just like, good God. But anyways, where, where are you guys from? So we're based in uh, Orlando, Florida. Um, probably like 20 minutes from Disney World. So... Yeah, I've been to Orlando. Good old Sunshine State, but not right now. It's been like two yeah. weeks of just yeah. rain. Yeah, I was just I was just down there um, about a month ago. Yeah, almost a month ago exactly. I was I was down in Tampa though. My family. Oh, okay. uh, Tampa's like a second home um, to my family. I didn't. I never lived there, but my mom and my sisters all lived there for like ten years. Oh, that's so where I'm I, from. I, oh, yeah, they went to Brandon, uh, technically. Yeah, I went to Brandon. I graduated from Brandon, Brandon Senior High. I spent my freshman through junior year at Steinbrenner out in Lutz. And then I moved to Brandon, Florida, graduated there. So. 
Oh wow! Yeah, what what year did you graduate? Uh, I think it was 2013. I want to say, yeah, probably 2013. Huh. Yeah, you probably went to school with one of my sisters at the same time. Wow, because they're they're a little be a little bit older than you, which makes me feel old as shit because I'm the oldest. But <laughs> yeah, I'm. Uh, but uh, I'm 26, so I moved. Here. Okay. I was, yeah, it was 2012 when I moved there and started school. And then I think it was 2013 I graduated. Oh, okay. Yeah, so like, like I said, I never lived down there. I would just go down there on spring breaks and stuff. But I just interviewed, a, have you ever heard of the band Rona? By yes, chance? yes. Okay, I just interviewed them when I was down in Florida, so it's it's just ironic that like through some other means, like I got connected with another Florida band like so quickly. Um, it's like there's so many Florida yeah, bands, <laughs> like we're everywhere. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's been. I think that's just something that you know. I guess it's a coincidence, but like when you when you say yeah, there are a lot of Florida bands, like I've interviewed in the past, like I don't know year i just once come to mind like their teen divorce has been on they were actually here in michigan they came to my house um and then guilt from jacksonville and then um rona and then you guys so it's cool um but yeah so speaking of uh you know them being up here like do you have you guys obviously not recently but i'm not sure how long you guys have been abandoned if you guys have done any touring at all so we, we've been together about going on seven years now. Um, <clears throat> the first year was, um, it was our guitarist, Andrew, and our singer, Damien, actually found each other. And they met up and they bonded pretty, pretty quick. And so they spent months just like writing songs together. And then um, they started putting a band together and they got a bass player, got a drummer, and so the first like year they were originally a four piece and then um you know bassists came and went drummers came and went and then at the time they decided you know let's let Damien just be a frontman and we need another guitarist so then I auditioned and around the same time as when we got our drummer Tyler and so this current lineup we've been uh probably say about 6 years we've been going on strong together so, oh, I'm sorry, they're all they're all like so blowing it, up the group chat now. <laughs> That's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all good. I mean, tell them if they, you know, if they want to come on, they're they're more than welcome to. But, um, have you guys, like, when did you guys really start? I mean, I feel like how quickly from the time you guys all got together as a lineup, how long before like you were playing gigs and then, you know, cause when you first start a band, it's kind of just like in a garage or like in a basement, you know what I yeah. mean? And then you kind of got to get your shit together. And then you start being like a real band, like out in the world playing shows. Like kind of, what was that process like? So once, once Damien and Drew, um, got their like first lineup together, um, they were pretty much playing shows as often as they could almost like every weekend. It was like, um, so they, they were always playing shows. They, you know, cause almost 10 years ago, um, 
that was pretty much like the the best way to get out there was just you know play as many shows as you can get your name out there um so for like the first year they were pretty much um playing as many shows as possible and speaking of the devil himself here he is um if he connects oh, hey what's up dude andrew i'm late andrew uh, oh, you're good. It, so it's okay. No, I need you because he's asking a question about playing shows for the first year as a band, and I wasn't there. So I'm, okay. I'm missing missing Got details. It. No, no problem. Can you guys see me? Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Hell yeah, yeah. So I mean, the first the first year playing shows, like very beginning, we were kind of at the point where we didn't grow up here in in Orlando, Florida. All of us are kind of transplants, and the singer and I, Damien, who started started the band, um, we finally, you know, wrote some songs and had a lineup, and that was good enough to be able to play play shows. <laughs> good enough is very is a very vague term, but we were at the point where we were saying, let's just play as many shows as we can, and we were playing shows probably every single weekend that first few months of us like deciding we could play shows, and we were trying to book shows in anywhere that would have us. We played in all the cities around Orlando, Florida, all the all the major cities in Florida, Miami, Tampa, Jacksonville. Um, and anytime we got asked to play a show, we said, yes, we didn't care how much we were paid. We didn't care how much people were there. We didn't care what bands were in the lineup. There was lineups where we were like the heaviest band playing. And there was lineups where we were the, the, the least heavy band playing. Like there was like true, true metal bands. And here we were kind of playing pop punk music kind of. And yeah. um, so we were just playing as many shows as we could anywhere that could have us. Um, and, it was great because we were able to kind of build this small little like groundswell of a fan base in these different sit towns. Some of these shows there might only be five people at, but we got to the point where even if there was five people, like, you know, we would try to talk to every single one of those five people and make sure we left some type of impression on them so that um, hopefully next time we came, they would see us. And it got to the point where we had played enough shows that we started seeing some faces from other shows and people were going out of the way to come, come see us. And, um, we eventually, you know, started trying to get into some some contests. Like we see, you know, those contests that bands can get in, and we were able to um, build enough of a groundswell that we got to win the the local stage at a Warp tour. So like that was always a big oh, yeah for a band when you get to play the local, you know, that's Ernie Ball stage at Warp tour. We got to do that within a few months of of playing our first show, and then we won this other. Um, uh, we did like a battle of the bands. We won that, and then we were like, man, we're really we're like getting the hang of this thing. And then fast forward a few months later, we got to play our first like real fe- like festival outside of the local stage of warp tour, where we got to play the main stage of this festival here in um, West Palm beach, Florida called Sunfest, And we got to play like two slots behind fallout boy. So we played, there was like, oh, played for like several hundred people who all had no idea who we were. Um, and that's when things really just started like, catching fire and we were kind of like we kind of have something here and that was all in the first few months of us playing shows yes that's lucky i mean not to say that that (laughs) (laughs) yeah when i when i say that's lucky i mean that doesn't mean that you guys don't deserve it but you know how hard it is you know what i mean like sometimes there's like luck that goes into like being in the right place at the right time playing the right shows finding the right people dude like finding people that are one talented but also committed and and of the same mindset to create musical fusion you know with with, with you 
and who also have similar goals, mindsets. I mean, I feel like if that all happens in the first three months, though, that's almost like there's not even time to second guess. It's just happening. Yeah. And then in the first few months, we did have lineup changes. Like we we had the like first ever lineup of Felicity that played a show. And like within two months, our bass player quit. And it was actually like he quit on like a weekend. We played a show and like no one showed up. And he was kind of like, that's kind of the moment where people determine whether they're in there. They're in it for the long haul or they're out. Like you, you play your first show for nobody and that determines whether you're in it for real. Yeah. And he determined he was not in it. He was like, I didn't want to waste my Saturday to drive two hours to play for nobody. And um, Damien and I were like, didn't he just like no, no sweat off our back. So a couple weeks later, we found out we were getting to do warp tour and we were like, Hey man, um, do you want to come back and do warp tour with us at least? Like, you no, know, this would be a cool send off. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good. So what? We, yeah, <laughs> I know. And so we were like, okay. And so we, um, we started, you know, auditioning people and, and it took that first year, we had probably three or four lineups. And then we finally got this lineup we have right now and we've had it ever since, but it wasn't like we got it right the first time. Yeah. Five or six tries get the lineup that get, that's been able to give us this longevity for now six years where we've had the same lineup yeah dude i'm i'm in like a a similar well similar position of like of that maybe that you were in like those first you know year or so because like i'm the songwriter for my own band and mm-hmm. i and in just the process of trying to put a record together and like trying to put a lineup together. Actually, you know, when I say that, I mean like put a, a lineup together that can play the record live. Cause I did the record myself, but finding people who want to actually play something and also play something that they didn't write, you know, th- that's difficult. So I'm like, before we've even played a show together, like I've, I'd gone through two different drummers and like, I've only played shows with me and a drummer. And now I'm like, I finally have a lineup that's like we can play full band and we have shows coming up, but I'm still feeling like it's all going to fall apart before, because that's just like, it's so common and it's like, it's so easy to get used to this idea that people come and go and that people don't want to stick it out for those shows to nobody type of thing. But I mean, I mean, you said that you and Damien though, you, you had no issue with it. It's no sweat off your back. I mean, is that just, would you attribute that to just, this is just what you really want to do and you just kind of, know going in that that's going to happen or what what was your guys's mentality at that time yeah it, it was it wasn't easy i mean it was just kind of like damien i's thing has always just been you know perseverance it's probably like if we could pick one one thing one verb or or uh adjective i guess it would be adjective uh to, to describe this band it would be perseverance and we don't we 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 don't let ourselves stay that da- too far down and then when we do get down, we don't let it, ourselves uh, stay stay down for long. And then when we don't, when we have highs, we also are just always focused on the next the next goal, and we're always focused on the next goal. So when we have huge achievements, it's like that's great. We'll celebrate it for a day, and then we're on to the next thing we want to we want to achieve. And when we have down moments, we'll sit and we'll talk about it. What could we have done? What could we learn from it? And we try to just keep pushing forward. And 
Um, we still play shows to five people to this day. Like it happens. It's just part of, part of the gig. You get a Tuesday in a town you've never been in yeah. and a promoter that doesn't really, you know, promote it or, or whatever, whatever it might be. We play, we roll into a town for the first time and there's a hurricane that day and the show still happens, but people don't come out. It's just different things. So it's really just perseverance and be willing to push through. And, um, you know, at this point we've played more shows for five people than we've played for 500 people. And you, just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it just makes you appreciate it when you do play for 500 people and you, it's that much sweeter. Um, and then it's that much humbling when you don't, it's, it's just, you know, it, it reminds you that, Hey, you're not, you're not this big hot shit yet. You know, you still got to pay, keep paying yeah. your dues. I think you have to want to love, you just, you have to love music and not fame, you know, like you always have to love music more than you love anything else. And if, if you don't enjoy playing to nobody, I mean, it's not ideal naturally, but I've fucking done it. And I, I honestly don't mind. Like those are some of the best performances because <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's so, such a valuable practice that people don't realize sometimes that I've seen people like on bills where like, you know, there's, literally nobody or like it's the other bands are the crowd which is fine by yeah. the way because those people are yeah yeah and there's still potentially fans people in other bands yeah. are can be a fan of your band so just play but it's valuable to like to have a practice show like that to like actually get the you know work the muscle of of moving your gear setting everything up and then playing somewhere else it's almost like a blessing sometimes to not have anybody there because then you can fuck up and figure out what goes wrong. You know what I mean? So like there, it, it's just, it's just like anything else, man. There's just, there's different, you have to have be, be able to like constantly shift your perspective and like see the good in all the shitty quote unquote things that happen because there's so many things that happen that are not the glamorous aspects of it. Yeah. That if, and, and some of the best advice I ever got, from a band that had played way more shows than we've ever played was, you know, if there's 5,000 people, if there's five people, those, they're all the same people. Those five people could be anywhere in the world. They could be spending their hard earned money that they work their asses off to do anything, but they work their asses off to come watch you play tonight. And you have to be willing to give them the respect that you're going to give them their absolute money's worth and give them their best show they've seen and you owe it to them and you owe it to yourself to do that every night. And, and, and that's really just more of an attitude thing. We, we try to always have, like we will we'll talk. And if there's only five people, we're like, Hey, these people could be anywhere. They came to see us. They're excited to see us. They paid money to see us. Like, let's make sure they remember this night for the rest of their lives and give them the best show they can. Um, and then when you do play for 5,000 people, you're ready to go. Cause you've done it for in front. If you can do it in front of five people and put on a good show, They'll definitely put on a good show when you're playing for 5,000 or 500 or 50, you know? So that's kind of yeah. the mindset we always, we always try to have. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, just being grateful too, just being grateful that you're in a position to one, have a talent two to be in a position to pursue a talent is, you know, pursue like a passion project. You know, I mean, we all, a lot of people, you know, they have, really nice numbers on Spotify and they still work jobs they don't like, you know, mm -hmm. but, and it's easy, I think to get caught up in that and being like, man, how hard is it to actually make it? And like, to have this be my only job, but like it, it's better than having a job you hate and then not having anything else. 
you yeah. know <laughs> i mean but you yeah, don't do it for so, the money, man. If, you, if you're in it for the money you're you're in the wrong you're in the wrong business you have to truly love it and you truly have to love yeah not just, like i don't love making music i don't love um playing shows i do love those things but i love being in a band i love creating i love um just being part of the journey and enjoying the journey that's it's not about the destination we say that a lot it's like it's about the journey like having fun with guys that are like-minded who love each other yeah. who are willing to dedicate hours of their week every single week rain sleep snow you know to achieve a goal together and enjoy the process of, of getting there because if you're too focused on where um you're you're going to be where, where where the destination is um it, it you're you're not having fun you're just always going to be disappointed so it's really about just enjoying the process it takes and we look back at music we made last year and we like you know it's stupid but like you you like cringe you're like yeah dude that was the best we thought we had and then we look at what we we're capable of year after year and that's what it's about you know it's not going to happen overnight so you just have to be willing to enjoy that journey yeah, another thing I was going to jump back a little bit, tell you guys, because um, you mentioned, you know, talking about just like playing to five people and the the advice you got that, you know, those five people, whatever, could be anywhere. Um, I've, I've heard a, uh, it's the, I don't know, it's not a statistic. I don't know what to call it, but it's this concept, I guess, that you only actually need in order to, you know, make decent living. Let's just say like 50 grand a year. Okay as a band, as an artist, like let's say four piece band, 50 grand a piece a year. You only need like a thousand dedicated fans. You only need like a thousand people to buy all your merch, buy all your records, go to all your shows because those thousand people around the country will get other people to spend a little bit of their money, come to shows, things like that. But you don't need to reach on an intimate hardcore level that many people. You don't need millions of like, dedicated fans you only need like a thousand and when you think about it like that it seems a lot more doable and it it makes you i feel like motivated to to talk to those people after shows and and you know because you'll you'll play a thousand shows if you can just (laughs) make one really solid fan at each one of those or at least that be your goal it seems a lot more doable than like looking at drake's fucking spotify numbers and feeling like i'm never gonna get there you know so exactly and even and playing I, the genre we play, if you think you're going to make it to Drake's level, you never will. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that was a stupid example, but yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, if you if you have a thousand people that every time you do a merch drop are, are going to buy a T-shirt for twenty bucks, you know, and 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 it also is like it sounds obtainable, but also it's like each one of us. How many artists are like we that like die hard where every time they drop something you consume it and you are willing to spend money on it um it it, it's probably not that many that we're willing to do that every single time so so it's hard to really be able to build that connection with people it's great nowadays because the internet has allowed us all to be able to reach uh, so many people but also creates so much competition and dilutes so much content to where people don't feel like they have to pay for things because they're constantly giving things for free. They're constantly able to get content. So, so it, it, it's, it's really difficult. You have to really be, be willing to be unique and be willing to make those interpersonal connections. Like I know for a fact, we don't have a thousand people right now that even like 
drink the Kool-Aid are all about Felicity and we'll do everything, but we do have a good amount of people who are at least intrigued and, and at least yeah. are willing to be a part of some part of our journey. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there's the, those successful artists that are that next echelon past where we are. They may only have a thousand people, but those a thousand people, um, are in it so deep that they're willing to, to, to fund that entire journey for that band. And it seems like, yeah, also to add to that, like <clears throat> it seems like such a small number compared to the amount of people in the world. But like Drew's right, like you know, only a thousand people to get there. But it's so hard to get those thousands of people, like that thousand people that will, you know, buy everything you drop. So it's important to just make sure that you treat every single fan, whether it's online, whether it's you know in person at a show, wherever that you treat them as if they are a thousand because, you know, you never know who's going to stick around and who can help get you to that next level just by the support they give. So, yeah. Yeah, I would agree, you know, and, um, and also that's just like treating people with respect 101 too, obviously, you know what I mean? Like you should never, um, I mean, obviously, we can all talk about this like before we're like global superstars or something, but you should always treat people like people. I, I, I don't like the idea, and I don't think anyone really does like the idea, but of like people getting too big for their britches, to use a, a, a tired expression. You know what I mean? People, you start to get a few people coming out to their shows, and all of a sudden, they're not, you're not responding to like messages from friends or like, you know what I mean? They become like, too like consumed by their own ego and it's just i don't know that that rubs me the wrong way and i I think it's important to just kind of like always maintain like a level head about these things too and to realize like even if you are like incredibly you know recognized and incredibly well known for something like at the end of the day we're just i think about it like the way i think about athletes it's like artists athletes we all just get to do this thing that's fun for us and other people enjoy it, but like they don't owe us anything, and like we're not a gift to them, or you know what I mean. It's always, always good to just maintain like a healthy balance between like a little bit of ego, because when you want to go on stage and put on a good performance, you're not going to do that unless you feel a little bit good about yourself. I feel, but also like maybe leave that on stage, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, so. I'm curious. Um, I like to go back and think about like before you were ever in a band, you know, way before you were ever a musician. Like, is there a um, maybe like a first record or like a first song or something like that that you heard or bought or whatever that really made you think like, oh shit, I really could see myself doing this. Like, really inspired you for the first time. For me, I always say this. On, on on interview because like we get this question about like what 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 started it for you like what put that bug in your ear that you were like i want to sleep in a van for the rest of my life and uh you know eat pizza for two weeks straight and uh you know yeah. take years off your life to pursue something that there's a one in a million chance of ever succeeding at but you know i look back and i remember like always being fascinated by electric guitar period and and it really started when seeing back to the future and seeing, you know, the, the like Johnny B good scene, you know, Marty playing 
guitar and seeing him like that was my first real like memory i have of seeing like what the power of a good show is like crowd having fun performing you look cool people think it's like just being enamored with that and that was one of my favorite movies as a kid and then you know i didn't really ever like connect with music at a young age like some people like dive into music at a young age but for me it was more probably in like going into middle school and the first thing i really um, fell in love with was the band Guns N' Roses and mainly Ooh, because of yeah. guitar, like Slash like as a guitar player Slash was was who I really looked up to it's the reason I have a I have a Les Paul behind me right now um, yeah and I had Appetite for Destruction and at the time I just thought it was like I had it on cassette tape and I just thought this is my Guns N' Roses tape I didn't know that that's considered one of the greatest like rock albums of all time so right. the bar was set pretty high and then as I got into a little bit older um, you know, I started, you know, my sister would be watching MTV and I'd watch MTV and I started discovering bands like some 41 and bands like Lincoln park. And it was around that point that I just, I wanted to go out and physically buy music, like buy CDs. Um, and I would like take my allowance and be willing to go buy music as a medium. Um, and that was like the real turning point where like, I knew my family kind of recognized that I was really into music because other kids were going and buying you know, spending it at arcades or maybe going to toys or saving up for this one thing. But I really wanted to get into music and I was spending my money on CDs and music that I was, I was choosing. And I was choosing bands like Sum 41, Lincoln Park, Limp Bizkit, Korn, things like that. And probably not yeah. the music a uh, sixth, sixth grader, seventh grader should probably be listening to, but uh, that's what I was really into. And then I, I was begging my parents to just, you know, let me sign up for guitar lessons. And eventually they did. And I, I started my first band with some high school friends when I was in um, in high school, and and the rest is kind of history. I've been pretty much in a band ever since. Like, not saying these bands ever did anything like what Felicity has done, but I've been in a band consistently ever ever since, and that's kind of what started it for me was was Marty McFly, and then Guns N' Roses really got me kind of wanting to to be in a band. Marty McFly, that's sick. That's the first time I've heard that one, but it makes sense. What about you, Corey? What about me? Um, <clears throat> so when I was when I was a kid, like super young, um, my dad was a musician his whole life. So he he played saxophone, he played guitar, he played piano. So like growing up, I always was exposed to him either playing music around the house like himself, or he was listening to like old Huey Lewis records, Chicago, old Motown, and that was like all I knew growing up. So. <clears throat> on car rides he would just put in like jefferson airplane and that was what we would listen to on the drive or we'd put on an eagles cassette <clears throat> and so a lot of the music i was exposed to in that way was like you know like that classic rock sound and then as i was growing up um my dad started putting me towards instruments to find like what i gravitated towards and i really uh grew heavily with violin so before I even picked up a guitar and I picked up anything else, um, oh, I actually sick. played violin for years. And that was like all I knew was classical music. I And so growing up, I just had this whole dream that I was going to, you know, go to college for music. I was going to become a film composer. I was going to play in an orchestra. And that was going to be my goal. And so all through elementary, middle school, like that was it. And it was probably about sixth grade seventh grade um 
I started listening more to like 80s hair metal as I was like exposing because the internet was out and stuff. So as I'm like yeah. finding myself online, um, I was like discovering like, you know, <clears throat> Motley Crue and then Anthrax and like just all these like 80s hair bands, 80s metal bands. And that was like, whoa, I need to do that. And then I realized in Anthrax that, case, 80s no hair bands. Yeah, right. And so um <laughs> and so once I started like listening to a lot of that music, I realized like, well, these guitar players like play like violin players do. Like that's crazy. Like a lot of them are like classically trained musicians, and that's so cool. So I asked my dad for a guitar mm-hmm. and he bought me a guitar and I played it you know, just as much as I did violin. And then I started finding out about um like pop punk bands and hardcore bands and some of the earliest bands i can remember were like panic at the disco hawthorne heights um yellow card the early bring me the horizon just like i was like so in love with a lot of that stuff and then um about seventh grade i started my first band and we were going to be like an 80s 70s classic rock band but then i realized i went to warp tour that was my first year in seventh grade and i realized i was just like saw all the bands and i was like that's what i want to do that's fucking cool and so i went and started listening to paramore fallout boy just like all the bands i saw that day and pretty much decided early on that i'm gonna always be in a band and i'm gonna pursue it and give it a hundred percent that i can and if it doesn't work then I can go be a violin player somewhere else. But my first goal is I want to do what I saw all these yeah. bands in the eighties, what all these bands at Warped Tour did. And that was like what captivated me into like pursuing this. Yeah. And th- I mean, that's, it's interesting to hear a lot. There's a lot of parallels with my own experience to like, definitely the finding my dad's appetite for destruction. For me, it was a CD, but, I remember like trying to like teach myself sweet child of mine and butchering it on a little Squire Stratocaster. You know what I mean? Like just obviously and like all the like Paradise City, like all the just classic riffs that little kids fuck up. Um, Oh, you're muted, by the way. Um, Here. Yeah, I was going to say Paradise City was the one for me. Like that. That's the song. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Um. But yeah, I, I agree. Like for me, it was just kind of seeing, well, you know, going to Warp Tour in eighth grade for me was the first time. Um, and I went every year for like eight years in a row, you know, and, and I, the thing for me, like I'm 30 and like I didn't, like I've been writing music since I was like 15, 16, but like I didn't really understand how to get a band together i didn't really understand like how to get shows and i was you know my parents weren't musicians and they kind of i don't want to say they pushed me too hard but like i got good grades and stuff so they wanted me to go to college no one in my family went to college and they saw i was getting good grades so i kind of got inadvertently pushed down this college track and then like so i went and i I didn't take advantage of like the music scene because I literally didn't have any idea that it even existed. I thought that like if you weren't playing at like St. Andrews or something, then you just like were playing. You just didn't have a real band, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was working on my own music with my, br- my friend who played drums, but like, I was just like, all right, well we can't find a, no one, you know, 
no one that we met wanted to actually play in our band. So we never made a real band. And it was like a few years ago, I discovered the DIY scene. And then I was like, fuck, I've been missing this the whole time. Are you kidding me? But that's that's where this whole podcast came from. But like that's where um what it kind of inspired me though was like just going to warp tour every year. It got so bad that like the reason like when I was a few years ago, like going to shows was so hard for me. That was what really inspired me to just like join a make a band, make a record, go full throttle at it because like going to shows and not feeling like I had a chance to do that. Like I couldn't even enjoy shows anymore. Like I'm like, I, I want that so bad that like the fact that I'm not on my way to getting it, I can't be here right now. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And, no, dude, we totally feel it too. Sometimes if we haven't played a show in a while and then we go to a show, it's like slightly demoralizing. Like, ah, uh, Especially if you see a band that like an opening band that you feel like your your band's better than you're like if we were just given yeah. this opportunity, what would we do? With Crush it! it. <laughs> it's crazy yeah. how much a, a generation of I think all people you know around our age were discovered music through like it was just so much more on the forefront. Like being able to go to Warped Tour as a kid, it wasn't just about the music; it was about like, are you going to be there? Your friend's going to be there. That that girl from high school is going to be there. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then it was also like we talk about when we were growing up, like Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Like we were being kind of like put into this world where like they were te- showing us that being in a band was cool, playing music was cool, and movies like School of Rock, you know, that we saw as kids, and we were like, man, like this is where it's at. And now it feel like you don't you don't get that as much, right? Like the culture isn't as much pushing kids to learn instruments and the whole band and rock music type culture. It's just, it's more about being entertainers, being pop stars or being rappers or things like that, which is still awesome. Like we need all of it, but it's just like when our generation specifically had so many outlets to really like experience rock music as, as, as something that was, that was cool, but from school of rock and from playing guitar hero and all the stuff that, that I feel bad that the younger, these generations probably just are not exposed to it as much as, as we were. No, I feel that a lot. Um, I've, I've had that same sort of thought pattern. A lot of the mm-hmm. times is like, it's not cool. Like when we grew up, you know, you mentioned panic, the disco, like, they were on TRL. Fallout Boy was on TRL, like Hawthorne Heights, all these bands, My Chemical Romance. You could literally turn on MTV and see their music videos. And I would remember sitting in front of the TV, like just waiting to see a two minute clip of a video of a band that I liked, you know? And now there's no fucking way you will see a band. The, the closest thing that you will see, and I'm not hating right now, but the closest thing that you would see is like Machine Gun Kelly playing with Travis Barker. You know what I mean? Like, his, thank God like, we even have that. You know, like, thank God. Yeah. That, that shouldn't, and that shouldn't exist, but it does. So thankfully it does. <laughs> yeah, I'm not hating. Of, like, next, the next phase, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like growing up. I'm, know, I'm hoping we were, oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Go ahead, dude. Uh, um, I, was, I was saying that, you know, when we were all growing up, we were so exposed to like live music. And like Warp Tour, and like you mentioned MTV and everything, it was like everybody you knew. Well, I don't know Drew's experience, but like in Florida, like everybody you knew either played an instrument, was in a band, 
like that was just what we grew up around like if you weren't in a band you weren't cool like everybody was playing music everybody was doing it and it's like now like if it's almost as if like just playing an instrument like blows the minds of people because you go on like tiktok and you see a guy like butchering crazy train and you're like oh what and then people in the comments are like you're a god it's like yeah wow like they're so disconnected from it <laughs> dude don't even get me started on the fucking tiktok well too late you already have <laughs> all right uh i hate it because Okay, it's good for like if you make a music video or something and you want to promote it, you want to cut it into clips and post it there and then people go watch the actual thing. Cool. What I hate about it and reels is the same thing. People will sit in their room and just play some vibey shit on a guitar for 30 seconds and they get like 60,000 views or more, hundred thousands of views. And I'm just like, go make a record, dude. You know how easy it is to just sit there and just noodle around? Like, yeah, I'm not saying that, like, they're not good at guitar. Clearly they are. But, like, I don't care. But that's, like, this, the culture that we live in. It's, like, you want to follow some guy so that you can see 45 seconds of some vibey thing that he's playing? Like, fuck that. Like, I'd be impressed. Like, show me your record. Like, spend two years and three grand. <laughs> like, I'm getting way too personal right now. Like, in making a record, like, pour yourself into something. That's what I want to see. But I, I, I fear that like that's becoming lost and we sound like fucking dinosaurs right now, but that I think there are I I am encouraged by like a, a good I will say like begrudgingly I will say it is a minority of people that still want the record. You know what I mean? Like I, I made a record that's meant to be listened to front to back. It's not meant to be broken up into singles. Not to say that like I'm not also thinking about releasing other stuff as singles because that's how people want to consume music in the masses these days. But yeah, it's it's it can just be really really frustrating, but I wanted to go back to one more point and then kind of move forward about and talk a little bit about your guys's um the singles that you put out this year. Um but you just mentioned that uh you said something about how it's there is a lot of competition and i i agree and that can be really overwhelming i think for bands in, in today's day and age um but i also think that there are more shows being played i mean this was obviously a projection based on how things were before the pandemic but you know so many bands are announcing tours now i think there's way more tours and the 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 competitive mindset I think it's anxiety that people get and uh, and I cuz you guys don't strike me as as this type, you know, but there are some bands that get really clicky and they'll be overly competitive about things when they it's like they think that they're f competing it's like musical chairs and if they don't grab one that they're, they're going to run out or something. And I just don't think that's the case. I th I think the the more like the better a, a band that's similar to you does, the better that is for you. You know, like the more bands that are blowing up that sound like you, that's good for you because people want that. You know, yeah. yeah. It, 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 but it can feel that way. It can feel competitive. But I think there's there should be like a mindset change among us musicians to think like there's room for all of us because. It's it's really up to the people listening to decide what the demand is for. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only real competition you should have is with yourself. And you shouldn't yeah. feel like the other bands in your scene are like competition because, you know, you guys are all and girls, you know, everyone's trying to achieve the same dream. Everybody, you know, wants to make a living like this is their passion projects. And, you know, when you start competing with each other, you know, it, there's it, it grows animosity. It grows bad blood um, and it ends up just hurting the scene. Um, I remember like years ago, you know. Yeah. In Tampa, if you wanted to play a show, there was like three places that, you know, people really went to, like Transitions Art Gallery, Brass Mug, like like there was Crowbar, crowbar like there really wasn't that 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 many places. Um, and then you move to our, I moved to Orlando and it's like you just go to Mills and you can play at like seven places. You can go downtown, you can play at like five places. So I don't think there's like so much competition anymore. It's just more so of like the ability availability to play shows is there. Um, You know, it's just, you got to get out there and grind for it. You know, you got to hit up all these promoters. You got to hit up bands. Like, you know, you got to put in the work for it, but you know, there's opportunity out there. Yeah. Yeah. It, the, the, the competition thing is like, you know, when we were kids, we went home and we put on TRL and then we were like spoon fed these five same bands every week. And now that now that the Internet exists, like you can go on and just discover thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pop punk bands if you wanted to. Right. Or metal or whatever genre you're into. And it's like this endless buffet. And you're 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 not spoon fed what other people are saying is the hot stuff right now you're able to go go after it and just find it yourself and it just makes it to the point where um i think it it encourages everyone to have to be stepping up their game and always be improving and always trying to be be creative because you're not able to get in front of people at shows like like you were before it's so easy to be able to jump on a stage play a killer set and have someone remember that and become a fan of yours but right now, it's so much more catered to having disco- have fans discover you online and what makes you unique. And, and it's under a microscope when you're being compared to every single other pop punk band in the country from a kid who potentially yeah. is trying to get into that genre. He has a lot more options and why. what can you do to connect with them? And if you sound like everybody else, it's going to be glaring. While it's completely different yeah, if that kid was at a show and some pop punk tour came and he took a chance and went and he's watching all the different bands and you're able to connect with them in that way. So it makes that competitive nature where it makes it so much harder to stand out because everyone has equal opportunity. Uh, and so what are you going to do to make yourself different? And that's really where yeah. um, the, it, it becomes now is because, you know, if you make a song that's a pop punk song, chances are there's a lot of bands in the country doing the same exact thing as you. So what makes what makes you different? And that's what we've been struggling with is trying to figure out what we can do to make ourselves different. And when people do hear us for the first time, what makes that thing they hear that's just like sticks with them? Um, and we struggled a lot in the past just trying to compare ourselves to other bands and being like, what if we were, what if this song sounded like this band meets this band, right? And we don't really do that anymore. We try to just be like, whatever. Let's just try to make something new and unique and cool. And if it falls yeah, on its on its face, okay, because we were trying to do something different. And all it takes is one song to really to really make that impact on people. And that's with our latest record we have coming out. That that there's stuff that's no one would ever expect us ever to do. And that was very intentional. 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's easy to um, get into a rut, and obviously this is projecting because like I've I've made one record and I haven't even put it out yet. So like this is not from the perspective of someone who's done it, but just from like watching bands and seeing what they do. I think it's easy to have one record be successful and then think, oh well, that works. I'll do that again because I like the stability and I like the consistency. But I think my favorite bands ever are the ones who like the ones who really like achieve like this, like godlike status in my mind as musicians are the ones who like they get better and better. Like they don't some bands like I'll give you an example. That's just like me criticizing them. Can't hurt them because they've had so much success. Okay. Let's talk. I'll say all time low when they put out their EP their first one put up or shut up i was like fuck dude this is amazing like you know me in high school was like all about that shit and then the first the full length was good and then i just felt like they kept doing watered down versions of it to where it was like i was not even interested anymore and take it you know but then i take a band like boxing manchester orchestra uh circus survive like these bands that just they find their sound, but they just keep expanding on it and they just keep getting better and better. And they keep finding new ways to be themselves instead of trying to reinvent the wheel over and over. Yeah. And yeah, so I completely vibe with what you're saying. Um, I'm nervous myself. Like, how am I going to follow up the record I made? I'm already writing new stuff. Haven't even put it out yet. And I'm just put out the first one yet. And I'm just thinking like, Dude, like, I mean, it's a good problem to have to feel like you've created something that's tough to follow, but it also does create that issue for you. Like, what if, like, you know, especially the a, a first record, like you put, it's usually the culmination of like so much time and like songs written over years and years that like the next one, it feels maybe a little bit rushed. Um, so it, it's naturally going to be difficult to follow up something if you put a lot of time into it um but yeah so you guys to get got um into your catalog a little bit first of all i'll just real quick about um old habits the ep from 2020 just weekend warrior is one of the best song titles i've seen in a while i think that's that's great (laughs) what's that Corey actually came up with that, so he's, he'll take that yeah. for sure. That's fucking. That's funny. Like that was that was good. I, I I was, I like a good pun. That was a good one. Um, but yeah, and I so I listened to the two singles today from this year, and uh, I will say what is what was the first one called? Lonely Nights. That's the most recent one, right? Um, yeah. I genuinely that was the first song I listened to by you guys, and I thought that it was going a more like pop direction and then like i heard the guitars coming in i was like oh yeah okay this is what i like and so it was it was good it wasn't like it wasn't cheesy in the sense where it's like some bands pop punk bands like to do an acoustic intro but it's almost like obligatory and you know what's coming and i didn't I will say that I think it was well done. I think you guys did a good job with the production, making it feel like if it would have kept along that vibe, I would have been okay with it. You know what I mean? I wasn't waiting for it to pick up. So when it did, I was like, oh, this is nice. This is really cool. So yeah, I just wanted to give you guys props on that. And I'm just kind of 
curious like are these songs are they from a release i mean are they from this record that you talk about or are these singles and you have something completely different coming up next year but or you know what's the story with these releases no they're all part of part of the record we have coming out uh next month um we we actually got the record back from our producer andrew wade and back what january and of last year last year january 2020 yeah so we we were once we got him back we were like fuck yeah here we go you know everything was good in the world and we were playing a show and like we were getting like just thinking of ways to release it and then covid happened and so we were like well the whole industry Mm. shut down pretty much like if we release this now it's gonna die and during this time, while all that was going on, we got our management team, um, Brightly Management, and then we also signed with Adventure Cat Records. And so it was kind of like a blessing and a curse in a way that it was like good that we didn't release it. Um, <clears throat> so when we when everything was kind of happening with COVID, we realized you know we have to do something to stay relevant. Like we got to release content, we got to do something. So we hadn't released anything in so long. So the first thing we did was release a cover of watermelon sugar and put a music video with it. Just to try to like get people kind of like aware that we're coming back. And then we just decided, you know, let's do the same strategy we did with old habits and let's release singles, but put a music video for every single single. And then over the last, what since January this year, that's pretty much just what we've been doing. It's just releasing singles once a month every three weeks until um, we actually announce the record and like release that. Mm-hmm. So we've released, I think, uh, what four original songs and from the record so far. And uh, uh, yeah, I think yeah. four. And we're going to release one on Friday, and then we'll have a single coming out with the record next month. And it's our first actual full-length record. Like, we've only done EPs. We had done three EPs before this. So we worked really, really, really hard on it. We were at a point when we went to go record this this record where um, we got back from a tour and we had actually, you know, didn't have a record label. A record label had that we had with, with when we put out Old Habits, um, which actually came out in 2019. It just says t- 2020 on Spotify because we actually had a record label that went out of business. And when they did, all their music got taken off Spotify and Apple Music and everything, and we had to get it back on. So we had to like re-release it in 2020. So that uh, old habits came in 2019. We got back from a tour. We had just fired our manager. We had nobody. We had no support system. We were 100% back to DIY for the first time in over a year. And so we were like, well, let's put everything we got into go and record this this first full-length record, this debut full-length record. And so... We locked ourselves in the studio with Andrew Wade for an entire month, about two, which is now about two years ago. And we recorded this record that's about to finally come out two years later in, in July uh, next month, a couple weeks. That's exciting, man. That's yeah. really exciting. I mean, trust me, man. We've heard these songs like 500 times already. Anyone else hears them. So it's not, it's not like it's exciting for us for sure. We're excited to see people's reactions, but we've been. The entire year of, of, you know, COVID and quarantine, we were just practicing playing the songs live. Like what, not knowing when that next show would, will ever be potentially. Um, yeah. Also to like tap back on a, a point you had made, um, 
you know, with Brace Yourself and then our EP before that, um, I mean, with the EP Old Habits and then Brace Yourself, you know, we kind of just did what we were talking about where we just found something that worked and then we just kind of like redid, kind of like watered down of it with Old Habits. And so when we went in the studio to write this song, um, we actually just approached it with a completely different mindset where we wanted to do something because we had the time booked. We, you know, we had no deadlines. We had no representation. So we were like, let's just try to do something we've never done and write stuff that nobody would expect us to write and just try to see if we can transcend from where we currently are into just music that makes us you know, that we want to write, that we would want to listen to. And so I think it's just also really exciting to finally have a record that we ignored what people would expect of us and we did what we wanted to do. So hopefully they like it. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think as long as it's in tune and, you know, it makes sense like there's an audience for it. I think people get too caught up on feeling like they need to keep the same audience all the time. Like, yeah, it might be extra work. Say, like, you know, God forbid the people who are like diehards or whatever, they don't, they don't vibe with it as much. Someone will, you know, like and people will still come to the shows. I mean, for a band, I really like if they put out something like, like minus the bears, an instance where, you know, they put out, later records where I like, I wasn't as into them, but like, I still go to see them because I like to see bands. I like play the things they like to play because they're going to be the best when they're playing the shit they want to be playing, I guess, you know, but so in terms of like this, this different direction that you guys are kind of going, like how would you sort of um, describe it? Like, were there certain things that you were listening to that were in? influencing it this time around that maybe influences that didn't come in to play before or yeah what kind uh, of stuff was like would would you say like inspired it uh garth brooks was a huge one for us on this <laughs> <laughs> um, we, um we just went into this one like as is a musician you know you, you're gonna find this man that since you're a musician and you're about to put out your first record like you learn so much about yourself in one year let alone two years and you can grow so much musically in, in one year and be influenced by so much of your music, like your musical taste, like you have your musical taste, but it can, it can, it changes so dramatically so quickly. And yeah. we, when we recorded old habits was actually in 2017, it released 2019. And then this record we recorded 2019 and it's going to release in 2021. So the amount of growth you can have in those, like in those, in those two years, and especially when, you're seeing what you did before and you're looking back and you you're you're thinking about what would you change about it like you know based on what you've what you've grown we're already going to start recording the next record um here next month as well so the same month we're recording a record we're releasing this record that we've had for two years and we've yeah. already looked back at the record we we're about to release this this record dear universe um comes out july 16th we're already looking back at it like what can we do to top this um I've yeah. listened to so much different music since that we recorded that. And I've grown so much as a person and as, and as a musician since that. Um, and all of us have, and we take every life experience we've had since then. And we're trying to put that into, into topping what, what's, what we're about to put out. And this record that everyone's about like really excited for us to put out and, and we're really excited for everyone to hear, but we're already on to the next one. Like 
we, we just want to be better and bigger. And this last record, we definitely took just any type of restraints off. You know, we have a song that has lots of, we, we added elements of lots of pop elements that we would have never added when we did old habits. We did songs that are the heaviest songs we've ever done with the, with the lowest tuning guitars, you know, that we've ever done. But we've also have songs that, um, you know, are really, really personal too. songs about really, really personal things that have really happened to us, which in, in previous records, we kind of go into songwriting, focusing on like guitar riffs, focusing on like, we'll make a, can we make a mosh pick? Can we make a circle pad out of this, you know, like what, what can we do to make this song fun live? And this time we went in really focused on how we make these songs mean something to us. Like let's write about subject matter that, that maybe digging up an old wound or maybe, maybe it's something that you're not really comfortable with, with sharing with people, but being able to turn that into to a form of art is definitely not only therapeutic, but um, I think it will, people will connect, connect with it so much more when it comes from, from some place. Oh, yeah. And, you know, guitar riff is a cool guitar riff, but what the song is and, and what it's about is so much more important. And that's really what we're excited for people to experience is that kind of more personal side of the band um, with songs that really do come from a place of more, more perspective and more, more, you know, an, an internal place for us. Yeah, I think it's so much harder to write a guitar riff that ends up being universally known than it is to create a feeling just in general that is going to be universally like, you know, like oh, it's 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 so much easier to write, I feel like not that either of these things are easy, but it's easier to create a, a vibe and or like create lyrics or something that really reach people than it is to come up with fucking the sweet child of mine riff or something where you immediately hear that and it, it takes you back to a place. I don't know. I just think that like if you're to what you said, like, yeah, get, riffs are cool. Yeah, for sure. Have riffs. But like that's not for me, not the goal. It's not the goal to create the coolest riffs possible. It's It's to like emotional honesty and like what am I, what am I trying to convey here? And like, what am I, a lot of times I don't really, I don't really know what that is until the song's done, but I, I just like feeling open to the process and just like really going in. And like, when I write music, I feel like a lot of times, cause I feel like shit. And that's when I'm just like, I got to do something to get this out somehow, you know? And, um, but I, I'm really curious now to hear what you guys have come up with because, you know, just hearing that this was your process, um, just really trying to figure out, you know, opening up, being more vulnerable, um, especially if that's like one of the first instances of you guys really embracing that, I feel like it's going to be pretty powerful because, um, you know, a lot of times if it's like the first time you're really diving into that, that chest of, of emotional stuff, like you're going to reach naturally for the stuff that's been wanting to come out the longest. Is that, if that makes sense. And I, I really am, am curious to see what that, what that sounds like. Um, last question here, and then we'll kind of wrap it up and I'll give you guys a chance to promote whatever, but do you, yeah, dude, do you, I'm surprised. I don't know where my cats are. I keep snapping dude. for him. She's like, usually yeah, on a call. He has to be all over me. Like, yeah, all he doesn't care. Yeah, that's exactly. If I'm working, if I'm in this chair, she's on my lap. But like, yeah. I'm gonna close the door on accident. Yeah. But my um, cat just sleeps all day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pig. That's a mountain lion. <laughs> um, but if you had like 
not that every record has to have a theme or whatever, but with the record that you guys are putting out, if you, is there like an underlying theme that kind of ties it all together or is there like a concept at all? Or is it just kind of like every song's its own thing? Um, it's kind of a mix of both. Like you can listen to every song by it by itself and it tells its own story, but the way we place the songs on the track listing and the way they all flow into one another kind of tell this overall story with like even the all the way down to like the title track of the first song to the end track, but the title of that song is. So it all is like just this overall encompassing um, story. And if I had to say like what the theme of it would be, um, <clears throat> Ooh, damn. Um, it's like, I think one important thing, cause there isn't a true theme. Yeah. We've always wanted to do like a true, like go all the way in and do like a concept album. Right. And, and that's like, it's whole other, the whole other side of the spectrum. But for this one, I would say really just us each having a song that's like really personal to us. You know, each one of us have a song on the record mm. that, that means a lot to us. That's about something personally that's happened to them. That's unique because a band is, is, you know, a sum of parts. It's not just one person writing from their experiences. Like a lot of bands will have that one chief songwriter writing the, the songs. Maybe they're about all about that one person's life, but we gave ourselves the opportunity for each one of us to kind of have our own song where, you know, Damien's the one singing it, but there might be a song about something that's happened to Corey and, and, and vice versa. Um, so that's really important to us. The fact that we were able to all kind of, dive in and have our own little piece of the album. Um, but there's, I don't think there's an overall theme. We kind of went into it thinking like this album, we want people to listen to from front to back. So we want to organize the songs in a certain way. And we did do, do that very purposefully the way the album flows from like heaviness to not heavy and the unique factors that, uh, that, that are in it. And then I'd also say that it's, um, it's unique in a, in a way that, we were able to do lots of different new things that we would have never, ever done before. And being able to have a full length album to take those risks was, was really nice. We were able to go in and be like, you know, maybe we, maybe we've done, you know, maybe the album's halfway done and we're thinking in the studio, what's this album missing? Like, what if we had a song that was like, had, had this type of energy or a song that had, you know, uh, a, a ballad, you know, like Lonely Nights when we, we, we wrote that before the studio, but what it started out and what it became were kind of two different things. And we love that kind of like rock ballad. You talk about like Sweet Child of Mine and you talk about these songs that are rock songs, but they have that, that heart, heartfelt nature to it. And that's really what we wanted. We wanted a song on our record like that. And that's what Lonely Nights became. And when we said we really wanted just a song that like you can open up the mosh pit and we wrote a song called Pendulum um, for that. And and there's a few other instances of like that where there's like songs that were that are on the record for to serve a specific purpose. Yeah, I, I think also, you know, I, I, I know we both said that there isn't a theme. I think if we had to give it a theme, it's um, we finally just stopped trying to be other bands. You know, yeah. we 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 finally just took the time to embrace, you know, who we are as people and actually show people through our songs like who we are whereas with old habits embrace yourselves we just told stories about like a girl but this time you know like drew mentioned we we got into the to the roots of the things that keep us up at night and the things that make us afraid and 
we've really opened who we are. And so I think the theme of this message is just like pretty much just embracing who we are as musicians and just, you know, finally accepting that we're not all these other bands. So we're just going to be ourselves. And this is what we're writing. Yeah. I mean, I feel yeah. it, dude. Um, you know, like I said, I'm excited to hear it, to be honest. What is it? When's it come out? You said so that July, 16th. July 16th. And uh, 16th. we've had we've released four songs so far from it. So we're really excited because, you know, when you start releasing singles, it's like we kind of have some stuff that like I think fans would expect from us if they've heard us before. And then we've released a couple things that are completely out of left field. And then what's remaining on the album is a little bit of both of that. <laughs> like some things we that like we think the fans of the diehards really like. And then some more things that are even maybe further out of left field than than even stuff that we've released so far. So um yeah, July 16th. Um you can pre-save it now, uh, you know, on Spotify and, and Apple and Apple Music or wherever you listen to music. And we're gonna be uh releasing some some pre-order bundles and stuff like that as far as merch and stuff goes here any day now. So we're just kind of working through all this stuff. It was really crazy because you know, COVID was like hurry up and wait. And now that the world's opening back up, it's like hurry up and go. Like it's time. Like music's back, concerts are back, tours are back. It's time to put out music, it's time to go out there and 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 show the world what you got. So we're just super eager for the future, super eager to play our first show. Um, and get yeah. this music that that means so much to us that we've been sitting on for two years. <laughs> get it, get it into people's hands, and we're turning around and going back in the studio and 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 doing the next one. Yeah, cool, dude. Exciting times. Exciting times. Um, well, hey, I appreciate you guys' time, man. I enjoyed talking. Um, just is it just at Felicity on Instagram or wherever? Yeah, we are Felicity Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Like we we make it easy. We are Felicity. Um, and we are felicity.com is our website if people still use band websites but other than that pretty much instagram is where we where we tend to play most of the time so at yeah. we are felicity um drop in say hey we'll say hey back cool all right dude well yeah you guys take it easy i will let you know when this is coming out there's usually a few bands that had in the line but it, it actually should be perfect but because by the time your guys's record is coming out is when this should probably be coming out Oh, yeah. Nice. Thanks for having us. It was super yeah. fun. Thank you. Man. Yeah. If you guys are ever on tour in the Detroit area, by the way, hit me up because like I live Dude. 10 minutes from all the venues. You guys can come through. I got an actual podcast studio for in-person episodes. So like I'd be definitely down to have you guys on. So, uh, where did we play in Detroit? Hot Rocks? Is that a called? Hot Rocks? Hot Rocks? Oh. There's like a million places is the thing. Yeah, we're, dude, we're, I believe it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I vaguely uh, remember like a hot rock bar in Detroit. Warren, Michigan. Oh, okay. I was going to say, yeah. It For was, out of okay, towners. So it was like, close to Detroit, but it was in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, we're dying. We we uh, had a lot of fun in Detroit last time we were there. And, um, yo, we can't. We're just hoping we get on a tour and can, can start getting back to traveling, these, seeing these cities and stuff. Because that's one of the... The most unsung things about being in a band is being able to check out all these awesome cities around the around the around the world. Yeah, that's what I'm starting to book, uh, like a, a weekender, like a series of weekenders starting like early next year. Dude, I can't fucking wait. It's gonna be. Sad. Oh yeah, man, that's awesome. Well, if you, but, when you make it to Orlando, you gotta hit, look us up. Fuck yeah, dude! Absolutely. All right. Well, yeah. You guys have a good night. Like I said, I'll hit you up when this is coming out. And yeah, you guys take it easy. That's good, man. Have a good one. Thanks, man. All right, later.